Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to Attacking Third CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Rena, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we're chatting all about it. Win, 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 winner, winner, winner. United States Women's National Team. She believes Cup champions in 2023. Fourth consecutive uh, time winning this tournament in its eighth year history. Uh, if you like what you hear, make sure you leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're also on YouTube, so please hit subscribe to us at youtube.com slash attacking third to get all that USWNT content, previews, recaps, interviews, all right here on A3. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about a winner. And uh, yeah, happy Ash Wednesday, buddy. Look at <laughs> matching ashy foreheads. <laughs> no shame. No shame on the show. Hey, it's just, it, for all I know, it's just you and me sitting here talking to each other. No one's listening or watching. A lot of times it is. A lot of times it is. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, hey, everyone that's joining us live, uh, thanks so much for, for being here. Like this video, join the convo in the chat. We want to hear your thoughts on the game. Um, Fourth time the U.S. are lifting that She Believes Cup trophy. Winner, winner, chicken dinner is right. Oh. Um, it may be a little bit expected of this team. And then as we entered today, this match day, and and we looked at the competition um, and what was going to happen, there was a lot of moving parts. You and I talked about earlier this week about who could win the, this She Believes Cup, uh, who could ultimately raise it. And it comes down to the United States. They've just got to get a goal and a win over Brazil they do that, uh, but there is a lot to talk about. It wasn't maybe as clean as as some people would have liked. So it, it wasn't necessarily anything not so at that point. What do you think, bud? I, you know, I just we're if you're joining us live, we're coming in fresh off this this victory. We're coming in right off of this this win against Brazil, and. When we were previewing this match, we knew they just needed either a draw at best. And we knew that 
the game in front of them between Japan and Canada would also kind of highlight some different scenarios for them. We knew that there was a possibility, depending on what happened in that game, that the United States could even lose against Brazil and somehow still uh, lift mm-hmm. the She Believes Cup. But that, that wasn't the case. We are going to chat a little bit about Japan and Canada in this one. So if you don't want to be spoiled by anything Bye. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna spoil it for you right now. So there was a prior game. J- Japan defeats Canada 3-0. That leads into uh the headliner on, on Wednesday night with US and, and Brazil. And that's the scenario that plays out. The United States really just need a draw in order to get that fourth consecutive title. And at this point, depending on the goal difference, they could even lose uh because of the scoreline coming out of that Japan and Canada match. So what we're looking at in this final game, we got to react to it. We want to see that starting lineup. In the preview, we chatted a little bit about what we could see in this final game against Brazil. It's the third match day. At this point, multiple players have featured uh, in 90-minute in games to you know the previous two matches prior. So we were curious about what kind of player rotation there would be, if any. Uh, we were curious about the status of Rose Lavelle. Uh, she had picked up a, a knock. They referred to it as a muscle strain and was kept out of the previous two games against uh, Canada and Japan. Was she going to be available? So there were this number of question marks that we were talking about in the preview. So to start out this game, uh, Andonovsky lined up the team as followed. They had Nair in net. Dunn, Sabron, Germa, and Fox to round out the defense. Haran, Sullivan, and Lavelle to round out the middle third. And Swanson, Morgan, and Rodman to lead the attack on the top line. When you're looking at this starting 11, Lisa, initial thoughts when it dropped. When I saw it, I was like, this is probably as close to his ideal 11 at the moment. How about you? That's exactly what I thought, too. This is as close to Vlachmaninovsky's as deal as he could get in this moment. I predict this is a World Cup starting 11. Swap in a healthy Sophia Smith up top for a Trinity Rodman in that front line. And and these are the other 10 players you can expect to see out there. Um, With the return of Rose Lavelle coming back from injury, it was reported that in the midweek game against Japan, or excuse me, the Sunday game, this is the midweek game, the Sunday game against Japan, um, Lavelle could have played, but they chose not to. Obviously, the incredibly smart decision by the training staff, by Lavelle, by Andonofsky. You don't want to risk a player getting injured at this point. Um, and now she was ready to go 110%. And, and that's what we saw out of Lavelle. Significant minutes from her throughout this game, playing until the 70th minute. Um, and I think it was really important to see in the midfield, Loran. Uh, excuse me, Lavelle, Haran, and Sullivan. Sullivan and Haran being that double six almost with Haran being further back than we've seen her in months prior and then really giving Lavelle the freedom to roam. Uh, We got to talk about the back line a little bit too. Alyssa Nair, not at all surprised there. A little sad we didn't get to see French, but not at all surprised about Alyssa Nair. Um, And then Dunn and Fox on the outside backs. I think that's a that's an outside back pairing that Vlachonovsky is comfortable with. He likes. It is lockdown. We got to see the most minutes out, out of Crystal Dunn since we've seen in over a year. Um, that was very, very good, positive. You're giving me the thumbs up. And Becky Sauerbrunn, Naomi Gurma, center back duo, chef's kiss. I love that center yeah. back pairing. 
I really do. I think we saw before Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma together against Japan there, and there was just not as much solidity mm-hmm. as, as I wanted to see, and and we got that from Sauerbrunn and Gurma. That's that's the center back pairing I want to see for the next five months. You know, it's it's hard for me to gauge whether or not that was partial um, minute management on the coaching staff or if that was like deliberate choice to to want to see this specific duo of, of Girma and Sauerbrunn against mm-hmm. Brazil. Um, but I liked it. I think that's where we got to start because this, this game for Brazil started off a certain kind of way. They got, they got going pretty early. We saw um, quick movement by this Brazilian side. We saw them break the lines fairly early. And we got to see some uh, support and coverage, whether it was Sauerbrunn for for Germa or vice versa. Um, and uh, collaborative effort, I think maybe on the second attempt, and we're talking like two minutes in, uh, Brazil just doing a good job of recognizing the space, trying to break those lines um, and get into dangerous spaces just within the first couple of minutes in this game. Uh, and the United States with Rose Lavelle back in the mix, also yeah. trying to get a quick start as well. So it kind of had this very, I don't want to say it was a frantic kind of pace, but both teams were trying to crank, like crank up the tempo a little bit. It was bit very fast. While trying to still kind of like uh, feel each other out. It was fascinating to, to watch on TV. Um I was a little, I was a little curious about, uh, you know, like if players were going to run out of gas at, you know, a little earlier, that was mm-hmm. something that we talked about um, in the preview. And I was like, well, my goodness, like at this, at this pace, it might, it might hit a little earlier in the game than anticipated. And I have to thinking back just in quick reaction, because we literally just watched this game like half an hour ago, but <laughs> thinking back on it, I, it's almost as if like Brazil, maybe if they were a little patient earlier in these moments that they could have made better decisions with, you know, yeah. with the time that they had on the ball. Um, because when you don't, when you don't convert, that kind of stuff goes back, comes back to, to haunt you. But uh, yeah, really, really frantic pace. I think in the beginning of uh, 45 for these two. Incredibly fast start for both these sides and, and looking at it from the United States and the Americans perspective, Vlachmanovsky talked about that. He wanted throughout this tournament, and she believes his team to start fast, get off on the front foot, um, and and move, move the ball quickly, move down the field quickly, put on a high counter press, win the ball back quickly. Everything was quick. And we saw that against Canada in the opening match. Then we did not at all see it against Japan. Japan dominated that first half against the Americans. And now against Brazil, Heading into this game, the players talked about it. Vlachmaninovsky talked about it. He wanted to get back to that fast pace, controlling the tempo of the game from the very first whistle. And I think that Brazil also wanted to do that. So with that came a little bit of chaos of all vibes, no defending. And and I don't mean no defending like there was no defending, but it was just that there wasn't any patience with the ball on either end of it. And and I wonder if hindsight um, comes into a little bit of learning in moments like these. Yes, there is a lot of good moments to quick counterattack, especially when your opponents has, have just pushed forward on you and moved quickly. That's when they're out of position. That's when you can get in behind. But it does it help you to regain possession of the ball and just do a couple of double passes or back passes, square passes to keep possession um, 
not necessarily catch your breath in the physical sense where the players are tired, but catch your breath in a mental sense to just kind of say, okay, this is this is how we're going to attack. Let's see where this, these players are. But Brazil was putting on a really high press. And I think that we got to see the Americans work the ball around their back line when there was a lot of pressure on them, which is something we hadn't really seen. It They they couldn't do it that effectively against Japan. They were just looking to play the ball long and direct. And even then it was getting turned over. And now against Brazil, we saw much more composure across the back line um, between a Becky Sauerbrunn, a Naomi Gurma, Alyssa Nair getting involved with her feet a lot. Andy Sullivan really dropping deep to, to be that player to pivot and connect. I was impressed with how the U.S. did that. I was happy, right, with with how they continued to move the ball despite a lot of press from Brazil. But, I mean, yeah, there was almost a crystal done goal in the opening three minutes. Heck, yeah, it was fast. Two corner kicks in the first four minutes, almost an opening goal from Dunn. I was, like, trying to catch my breath, and I couldn't even, like, blink trying to watch everything. No, I, I liked it. I, I think uh, those early those early set pieces that you're alluding to specifically, I, I, that was what I think what we were both looking for throughout the duration of this She Believes Cup. Like these little, not little, but these important in-game scenarios that would present themselves and like how they were going to, um, you know, tackle those scenarios and like watching these kind of like two consecutive corner kicks, like they, not only did they win the first set piece of the game pretty early on, but then they got earned a, a second consecutive one um, based off of that shot that, th- that early shot that Crystal Dunn, um, you know, had taken off of the, the corner kick service from uh, Mal Swanson. Uh, so I thought that that was kind of cool. I, I would like to see more of that. You know, I don't know if we're going to get a chance to see that uh, when they get together again in the April window. Mm-hmm. But this w- this way in which they set up on these corner kicks where they kind of fill the box. But Crystal Dunn is this kind of lone lingering option just near the outside of the box. I think is very smart uh, just in case you see those kind of rebounds drop to a player that is lingering outside of those boxes. Who better than someone like a Crystal Dunn? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, uh, you know, let it rip from from several yards out. So I like that there were kind of like two back-to-back sequences there to kind of get a look at that. Um, but uh, I also noted, like, there was also, like, even, I guess, within the, the speed of the game, it also perhaps led to, like, some interesting areas of, like, physicality in the match, which for me, like, watching – Brazil uh, kind of lean into some of these moments I thought was really, really cool. I thought Caroline was yeah. really, really impressive in, in the midfield for, for Brazil, not just in this game, but over the duration of yep. the She Believes Cup. Like I like I can't wait to see Caroline again in NWSL regular season. Yeah. I was just like, this player absolutely looks like she's about to tear some things up and snatch some souls uh, in, in the regular season. But going toe-to-toe absolutely in the middle third with, Again, what is likely Andonovsky's ideal right. trio? Um, so that I thought I, was. I pretty, think pretty Caroline, cool. yeah, asked a lot of questions of the United States midfield uh, and kind of it, on both sides of the ball, right? In terms of tracking players, because Caroline was making these deep, dangerous runs out of the midfield into the attacking end through the center backs, right past Andy Sullivan. And how how does the U.S. mark that up defensively? I mean. Caroline is awesome. She's a really good player. She's really fun to watch. And that's the test that the U.S. needed. That's that's what Vlachowanovsky needed. I think that this is going to be a really good game for them to go back and watch film um, of this, of their player movement. Because defensively, 
during the She Believes tournament, we saw a shift in the shape for the United States. Um, when they do not have the ball, they really drop back defensively into a 4-4-2, which is like a flat four across the midfield, meaning that it's your, your back four defenders, Dunn, Sauer, Run, Germa, Fox, and then you have Swanson, Haran, Sullivan, Rodman really dropping back as those other outside midfield defenders with Lavelle and Morgan being your two pressing front runners. Um, and, and that's how they look. And it looks pretty good. It's it's almost like a low block defensive shape. Um, and I like it. It's different from this team that we've seen in years past uh, because they need a little bit more structure centrally. There's no Julie Ertz anymore. And, and Andy Sullivan is not Julie Ertz. And so this system now works for this team defensively and what they're able to do. And it allows so much speed in players like Swanson and Rodman that are those wingers to be able to switch really quickly, get on top of the ball, slow down the pressure. Um, and even when um, Lynn Williams checked into this match for Trinity Rodman, you could tell her job was defensively to be the first line of pressure on the ball that gets broken through and into Brazil's midfield put pressure on them, put pressure on the outside backs of your opponents. And Lynn Williams forced turnovers, as did Swanson, as did Rodman. That that was their role. And I think they did a really good job of it. And then as the United States switches from uh, their defensive shape into their attacking shape, the back line almost shifts a little bit and Dunn pushes higher immediately. Anyone that watched this game and is confused about if I'm getting too technical at this, go back and watch this game. Watch the highlights because as soon as you see like the wide shot of the field and the U.S. has the ball, Dunn pushes up really, really high. She almost overloads the midfield. So it becomes like a three four three in attack and and that's what was working really well and allows for the shift and allows for the long ball switch and the pivot in Sullivan and Haran to play the ball from one side out to the other let's maybe listening to you sort of run that back a little bit I I want to I want to revisit the the goals in, in this game mm -hmm. to maybe sort of transition oh. out the, to, to let's transition to like what comes next but there was a really good sequence for this team, probably just after the half hour mark or so, uh, that was ultimately ruled offside. Uh, that's up for debate. Folks can take. Yeah. I, I think it ended up. I, I think the call was correct, and that I it was, think it was offside as well. Even offside. even on the initial replay, as as I watched it, and I was like, oh, I don't know if she's off. If you looked at the AR, the AR is yeah. literally standing oh. there doing her job exactly how she's supposed yeah. to, looking down the line, like. You can't argue with that. Against Japan, there were like multiple times where uh, some of the runs were, were off. And at, at a certain point, I was like, this is a conspiracy. And then I would quickly be like, no, that's actually quite correct. They are offside. At similar energy in this one. I was like, yeah, that's that's yeah, going to be off. what that is. But you know what? They didn't have to wait much longer uh, for the breakthrough to come. And I think, the again, the timing of some of this stuff is – is really what stands out for me against the United States because at this point you're you're like approaching halftime. You're approaching a scoreline of 0-0 between these two teams with long histories against each other. And if you're Brazil, you've got to be feeling like really good at this point. Uh, you know, sort of having you know all zeros for for both sides. Uh, and if you're the United States, like maybe you feel similarly, but 
you had some opportunities and you and you're like missed them at this point. And maybe you're like, we're gonna come out and start a little a little stronger, but they get the breakthrough in first half stoppage time. Mm-hmm. And it's like this delightful sequence <laughs> that comes because of the physicality in this match. We get Sullivan who beats a ball to Lavelle who gets fouled, but the official plays advantage. And this ball, uh, you know, she gets knocked off the ball, but it, you know, it ends up getting intercepted by Lindsay Horan who feeds Mal Swanson into the box. And of course, at this point, everyone's going to look for Swanson. <laughs> But her initial shot is blocked, and Morgan is there with the clinical finish oh, for a so rebound pretty. to beat Lorena, the keeper. And not only is it one zero, it's one zero in like the stoppage time of first half. It's like all of the all mm-hmm. of those things combined, the sequence and the timing of it. It just like it just made me so it just made me so happy with this team because I was like you know what man it doesn't matter it doesn't <laughs> like, matter. Team, like people are like there's this weird you know, global like perspective where it's just like, Oh, like no one is scared of the United States anymore. And it's funny to me because this team is absolutely playing. Like they don't give a single damn about it. They're just like, anyway, we're just going to stick to what we know, which is making sure that we try to beat you. And then that goal happens right before you enter the locker room. It was beautiful. This goal was so beautiful, Sandra. I cannot even get over it. I've watched the replay like a million times. I kid you not. The, and you're exactly right. It was the build up to this and and like the defensive stop and the fact that Mallory Swanson does have four defenders around her. She still gets a shot off though, right? Yeah. Like, and, and it is blocked, but then Alex Morgan being incredibly clinical on this and, and, her shot, she's dribbling laterally across the top of the 18-yard box, 20 yards out, 22 yards out. And she ends up curling this shot, not only around defenders, but if you look at it like straight on, it goes outside of the goalpost and then curls back inside the post. It, it does not get any prettier than that. And in the waning minutes of this first half, when it was such a, a hectic first half, I'm going to say, or a fast first half, it essentially shuts everyone up. In my mind, that's what I thought, that Brazil was just like, okay, this is how we're going into the half. It was the most beautiful and nasty shot from Alex Morgan I've ever seen. All and it's a bit of a combo breaker at this point because yeah. you've got Mal Swanson, who's got all of your goals uh, leading into this tournament. Uh, but then Alex Morgan is like, uh-uh, like, don't forget about me. Like, I can, I can put him away too. Mm-hmm. So I, I was curious how we were going to see uh, Brazil kind of come out into the into the second half. I loved that uh, immediately entering uh, the second half. We didn't see a ton of uh, changes right at the end. We've seen that a little bit. We've yeah. seen Emily Sonic coming into the game right at the halftime mark for Crystal Dunn, but we got to see extended minutes for Crystal Dunn. She went a full hour in this match, and that is kind of where Andonovsky – really began to make his substitutions. We saw Sonic come in uh, for, for Dunn. We saw Lynn Williams come in uh, for, for Trinity Rodman. Uh, and we saw a second goal come for the United States in this game as well, just after this substitution window. And of course, it's Mal Swanson with the go-ahead goal, ultimately ends up as the game winner because despite the winner-winner chicken dinner energy in this one, 
the shutout was lost. Ludmila subbing in late into the oh. game for Brazil gets a 90-minute goal. And it gets interesting with the three minutes of added stoppage time, but this one ends 2-1 for the United States. So it's a it's a three-game sweep in yeah. this tournament for the team. And Swanson tying a goal-scoring oh. uh, record. Six games tied with Kristen Press uh, for a six-game scoring streak that dates back to, to 2020. And now Mal Pugh, we have to see if she continues this form, not only for club, but in that April window coming up for this team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the second half was um, interesting, right? Looking a little bit at the substitutions uh, and, and the rotations done, getting more minutes, as you mentioned, uh, Lynn Williams coming in for Rodman. And and that's those substitutes happened at the 60th minute. And the second goal for the U.S. came in the 63rd minute off of Lynn Williams recovery run to defend and, and win the ball back for the U.S. Um, on that Swanson goal. And I think Rose Lavelle needs to get a lot of credit for that that goal, second goal as well for the U.S. because Lavelle picks up the ball and she just dribbles, which pulls defenders towards her and allows the space to open up for Swanson. And that's she plays this beautiful slotted ball right into the run of Swanson who finishes it. Um, so as you mentioned, all the accolades to Mal Swanson, seven goals in 2023 um, out of half of the team goals that the U.S. has scored, 14. She has seven of them, four goals in She Believes Cup. Um, I think on seven goals, she only has 13 shots shots for Swanson like that is magnificent as well also Alex Morgan in her goal in the first half to end the first half for the United States she became uh, 14 goals since becoming a mom and that is a, a record for the United States women's national team adorable I know Charlie her daughter's got to be super proud of her um, but yeah as, as this kind of went on ultimately we got to see the same kind of subs happening for the U.S. that we've seen around the 70th minute Megan Rapino comes in for Swanson Ashley Sanchez in for Rose Lavelle, very typical substitutes and rotations. And then about 10 minutes after that, around the 80th minute mark, we got Christy Mewis in for Andy Sullivan in the midfield um, and Taylor Korniak in for Alex Morgan up top. So little bit of a shift there for Korniak. She goes from the defensive six to a, a 10 or an eight in the midfield to a striker, but a really withheld striker uh, for that frontline position and also like coming in the 80th minute. And I think it was more of a, a tactical move for Vlako Adonofsky to throw her in, not anything knocking against Korniak. But um, disappointing to see them let that goal in. I think there's going to be a lot of film to watch on that. I know Alyssa Nair is not too happy about it. But um, ultimately, this is these are the tests that the United States has to face and has to answer. And we're going to talk about all of what it means, right? We're, we're going to get more into this, oh, yeah. more and more. She Look, she believes Cup was a blast and not only do we going to talk about the fact that yes the u.s are four-time she believes cup champions we want to show a little love to our CONCACAF uh compatriots in canada and we want to like talk a little bit about uh japan's victory and their final match day so there's still a lot of things to get through here if you're looking for she believes cup content so stick with us we'll be back right after a quick break this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to Attacking Third. Um, Sandra is jumping in and out here. Here she is. I'm not sure if her Wi-Fi is doing all right, but we are happy to have everyone. If you're joining us live on YouTube, welcome in. Join the conversation in the chat. Give a thumbs up to this video. We just chatted about the United States and their 2-1 victory over Brazil. The United States lifting the She Believes Cup trophy at the end of the tournament, but there was another match that happened before it. Um, it was it was a tight one contested there between Canada and Japan. Japan coming out swinging. It was incredible to watch this Japanese side um, kind of build up what they could do. Hi, Bud. Are you back? I guess so. I just didn't like my cool camera and it kicked me off, I guess. I don't know. Well, I'm glad uh, you're you talking about Panama. I did not. We didn't, I didn't share the news yet. I wanted you to do it. You break the news for everyone here. I think that's what happened. I think Panama broke my entire setup here because breaking news, Panama is going to the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. There's officially six CONCACAF nations going to the World Cup. Let's celebrate it. I want to see Panama flags in the chat. Let me see them. Congratulations to Haiti and Panama for making it all the way to the World Cup. It's going to be uh it's gonna be scenes. It's gonna be real huge, huge. It's it like just happened a little bit ago. This game was happening simultaneously as the end of the She Believes Cup. Panama with a one-nil win over Paraguay. Um incredible, exciting to see. We talked about that this morning, right? That was this morning. I'm trying to remember. Um, and we both wanted Panama to win. That is incredible. Six CONCACAF nations going to the World Cup. Woo! I, it feels like we've had three days <laughs> in between the last time you and I recorded with was really just this morning. It's like just so wild to think about, but uh, we started off, we kicked off this morning with a recap slash preview of that inter-confederation matchup. And now here we are, we're like, well, we'd really like to see Panama take it, but I guess we'll find out later today. Uh, and I love that. Oh God. So much good stuff. You got amazing. You got United States winning she believes cup. You've got Panama and Haiti going to the world cup. Uh, you like it. I love it here for it. We got to chat a little bit about Canada though. We want to show them, uh, some love as they exit the she believes cup, uh, because something interesting that came out of the she believes cup is every single team that participated in this event is walking away with a win. Uh, and that yep. does include Canada. They got a win against Brazil on their second match day. And Japan, my goodness, we definitely have to talk about them and their performance. They are also walking away out of this tournament, I think in second place, actually, mm -hmm. uh, which is a huge turnaround for them. But they defeat Canada 3-0 on their final match day. It sort of felt like they put everything together 
And finally, was it like got that 90 minute performance um, on the last match day of the tournament? And uh, I didn't, I didn't predict this would be like a, a three zero no. uh, kind of scoreline. But listen, I love being wrong, and this was fantastic to watch. It was uh, very. We're watching a very, very talented and very special uh, Japan side, and the fact that we're watching. A Japan side that we know will want the ball, that we know are 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 tactical warriors on the pitch, but also just sort of bring that uh, physicality and like athleticism to the game. Like they were, there were yeah. moments and stretches, uh, stretches of this game where Japan was like bodying Canada off the ball, and I was like, wow, this is happening. It was it was good to watch. Honestly, I think a lot of teams, right, you go into a tournament like this, um, knowing that no matter what nation you are, you're going to play against three, na- three different nations that are also going to the World Cup that are also top 11 ranked in FIFA rankings right now. It's good competition. What are you looking to get out of that? How are they going to test you? What questions can you ask? You're looking to to find holes in your system. And I think that this game, I was incredibly impressed with Japan. I mean, I was impressed with Japan before She Believes started, right, a long time. But then as I watched this Japanese side throughout the She Believes Cup tournament, I became more and more impressed and more and more intimidated with what this side can do um, and, and kind of how they can go out and, and put their stamp on a game and kind of prove that they <laughs> deserve to be um, recognized for what they're doing because this game started fast and furious for Japan. Canada also had a, a number of opportunities, right? They, they weren't sitting back. They weren't being thrown in their face by Japan, but the opening 25, 26 minutes is when Japan got their first goal and got, got the first one on the board. And they end up getting another one before halftime on a penalty kick. So now if you're Canada, you're heading into the halftime at 2-0 deficit. Uh, and you have to dig yourself out of this hole against a Japanese side that is not going to let up and not going to put anything on you. We got we had to see an unfortunate injury to the Canadian goalkeeper and, and then Caitlin Sheridan come in. There was just like a lot of moving parts in this. And, and all the while... Canada is mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, which sucks. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that absolutely has to be, you know, in the, in the front of our minds, you know, like as, as we talk about Canada and how they navigated their, she believes cup tournament Um, from, from start to finish, uh, we saw the evolution of their protests. Uh, You know, it's, it started off in, in solidarity with the United States women's national team, because that was the first match day for them um, during this event. Uh, But it continued against Brazil. It continued against Japan. um, And we got to see all of the teams uh, take the opportunity to express their solidarity with Canada wearing purple armbands. And it's unfortunate that, we're still in a place where a lot of teams are not only showing solidarity out of, you know, uh, their goodness or kindness or or the fact that, 
they're the opposition and it's a respectful thing to do, but because it's something that they unfortunately can relate to, yeah. that there's just constant, constant uh, disputes between uh, women's national team programs and their federations, a lack of resources or support. Um, and to sort of take a look at Canada over the course of their three games, they, they bounced back in that second match, right? Against Brazil. We saw them get that win. Um, but yeah, I think it was a pretty up and down tournament for Canada, right? Very like mixed. Yeah. Very, very inconsistent. Um, I guess uh, like against the United States, it was two nil loss and then they win two nothing against Brazil. They turned it around in Nashville. They, they got this great shutout win. I think Canada played really well during that game against Brazil. And then today against Japan, it was a flat Canadian side that we just didn't see them. I, I think that the, the game between Japan was a little bit back and forth in the first like 25 minutes. And then really Japan just, took hold of it. Uh, yeah. It was sad. I mean, after D'Angelo got hurt on, on the initial goal that happened for Japan, that was it. D'Angelo was the starting Canadian goalkeeper. They gave Keelan Sheridan a rest for this game. Um, she ends up going down. At, there's a bit of a collision in the box and Japan ends up scoring after D'Angelo goes down or as D'Angelo is going down. And, and so because of that, I think it it hurt the Canadians oh, to yeah. get a start. I mean, that opening goal, the way it happened, um, your goalkeeper getting injured, you having to sub in another goalkeeper. And um, yeah. I, I mean, it, that's just rough. That's really rough. That that absolutely just like deflates, <laughs> deflates any any game plan that you had or, or momentum even that you were trying to generate going forward. Um, they score and their goalkeeper or Japan scores and D'Angelo gets injured and gets mm -hmm. subbed out. Right. Hopefully as a precaution, um, then uh, you concede a, a penalty and this Rough. is a ridiculously well taken penalty by Hasegawa. I mean, you don't often hear the swish come into the net on in soccer, but this was that type of penalty kick. And then you, try to make those adjustments in the second half. But the thing about that is, is Japan almost seemed to get stronger as the game went on. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you just sort of have the, the cherry on top of things with, with, with June Endo and uh, her third goal uh, for, for Japan in, in, in this match. And it just, you know, with about 15 minutes or so of regulation remaining, they're just, just sort of felt like it was just, it was just done <laughs> like that. Yeah. That was it. And you were just going to play out the remainder of this, of this game. And, and that's all she wrote. So, uh, I mean, there was, it was interesting to sort of hear even on, on the, the callback for this game, like looking ahead a little bit to what comes next for Canada, that they're already targeting their April window, that they're going to head over to Europe. Yeah. They're going to face France. They're already looking ahead and they're only going to play one match. You know, they're not going to have the two game window. Like they're already trying to look to that, that next phase. I know. Hopefully we kind of put this very, very, very long week or uh, 10 days behind them. I mean, um, they still have to fight the the good fight of equal pay like on, on top of trying to move past this. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely heartbreaking for Canada on and off the pitch. Um, but I think a lot of really good stuff, good things from Japan. Even I know you talked about Hasegawa getting the penalty kick in the second goal for Japan, but it was drawn by June Endo. June Endo is the one that gets in the box. And um, I think nutmegs 
right? Kanisha? I think that there was a nutmeg there. I'm, lots of soccer today. I'm going to be honest. Right. My brain's a little scrambled. I watched like 10 soccer games. You watched so many games today. <laughs> it was amazing. But so I think there was a nutmeg there. Then Junendo draws the penalty kick. Um, and then Hasegawa finishes it. And then Junendo ends up getting on the score sheet herself in the 77th minute and really putting a bow on this. And And looking at the tournament overall, right? I am shocked that Japan lost 1-0 to Brazil. Uh, no knock against Brazil mm-hmm. by any means. More so just I, I think that Japan started the tournament slow. I think I mean, Japan started the tournament slow. I think it's an important point that you bring up. I mean, there. I think we could look back on, on, on both of the games in, in that match day one series, mm-hmm. whether it was U.S. versus Canada or Brazil and Japan, and maybe there were just some real – match day one type of energy a little bit from from all four of the teams you know um but it's going to be interesting to see where where japan goes next yeah from this we have talked a lot about canada but we actually didn't speak a little bit about uh some of some of the reaction uh due to the lack of attention that's being given to their team. Uh, we're t- talking veteran players, players who play in NWSL, whether it's Yuki Nagasato or Nahomi Kawasumi, uh, trying to bring attention to their women's national team program in light of a World Cup year. Uh, talking a lot about and going, taking to their social media profiles uh, to try to, to talk, up, talk up this team, talk about the, the game, um, and really kind of call out the federation and their lack of promotion of the team. So uh, I think maybe for the the current sort of immediate reaction to that is, is these two programs, we're going to absolutely have to revisit how, um, how they look in that April window. And if they are still going to be in the process of fighting these fights with, with their uh, federation. Uh, But we do have to talk about what comes next, not just for Japan, Canada, but the United States as well. Uh, We're going to wrap everything up and put a nice little bow on it for you right after a quick break. We're back to chat all about what comes next for the United States women's national team. They exit She Believes Cup, the eighth edition of this annual tournament as four uh, time or four consecutive wins for the team. This is also the fourth consecutive She Believes Cup title for uh, head coach Vlako Andonovsky during his tenure with the team. Um, they're officially five months out from the World Cup. There are uh, there's one April window remaining uh, for this team, and there is another window in June. Uh, but we have to imagine or anticipate perhaps that a World Cup roster will be announced uh, prior to that June friendly taking place. So I think if in, if you're looking at this in the lens of what is it going to take for, for players to, to leave an impact, they, they may only have one window, international window of time, com- obviously combined with yeah. their their NWSL regular season play to try to make an impact on this coaching staff to push for a spot on their roster. Right. And it was uh, reported actually earlier today, I believe that uh, U.S. is going to play Ireland in April. Officially reported uh, coming out of a a bunch of different. It it looks like it came out of Ireland, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So nothing officially announced uh, from U.S. soccer side of things, but looks like, uh, Outlets in Ireland have reported it, and some reporters stateside, I believe Jeff Kasuf sort yeah. of 
trying to reach out to sources and, and confirming that as well. So we'll we'll have to see, uh, you know, what comes with the announcement, whether or not that's going to be uh, a, a one or two game uh, series against Ireland. But uh, interesting to note that it's going to be another uh, World Cup bound team that the United States is going to get an opportunity against. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, honestly, I think that's more of a plus for Ireland. Um, yeah. It's no knock on Ireland by any means, but as a debutante for the Irish Republic of Ireland going to the World Cup, yeah, you want to play against <laughs> the two-time yeah. World Cup champions in the United States. I mean, that's massive for Ireland. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we have to look ahead for this United States team because they're coming off of a She Believes win. They're coming off of um, two friendlies in New Zealand that happened earlier in January, so at the start of this year. Um, but it comes down to the questions, right? There's only five months. There's only probably three months until the World Cup roster is being named. And when you look at who was ultimately named to the She Believes Cup roster and then how that translates to what could potentially be a World Cup roster. There's no Sophia Smith listed on this current roster for She Believes. She's dealing with a bit of a, a, a tweak and an injury. She should be back, though, right, barring anything else that happens. Um, Tierna Davidson also involved in the She Believes training camp, but not playing in any games, just training. So not really listed on these rosters as so far as it goes. Um, but I think that those are some of the questions that you have to look at. I mean, even reflecting on the United States' most recent recent game against Brazil, we didn't see an Ashley Hatch come into this most recent game. We did not see a Midge Purse get significant minutes at all during the She Believes Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, two players that I think have been on the bubble for Black Wenanofsky in terms of their impact in the game immediately. I mean, we saw Taylor Korniak come in in these final 10 minutes of this game against Brazil as in replace of Alex Morgan to be a, a defensive presence, to be an aerial presence. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but higher up the pitch instead of someone like a hatch or a purse. And I think that is pretty interesting and pretty telling about where Vlako Adonofsky is, is sitting right now and looking at important players versus players that could be replaced. And, and I, Sophia Smith is going to be on the world cup roster. So who does she replace? No, I'm, I'm with you hundred um, percent. I think if you're looking at uh, performances coming out of, of the, she believes cup, I think, especially with this, this recent win against Brazil and, uh, that ultimately clinching the 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 cup for them, you have to look at the players who didn't get extended time uh, in, in games like this. If, if anything, maybe take a look at that bench and those players who kind of are in this realm of depth. Or hey, these are going to be our game changers or our bench. Um, you know, we saw players like Trinity Rodman. Ashley Sanchez, Christy Mewis, those were the players who got extended minutes in She Believes Cup. Now, was the coaching staff and their hand forced a little bit in that? Yeah. Maybe Rose LaBelle was unavailable for the first two games. But you can't you can't play that game. I think it's almost a blessing in disguise that yeah. Rose LaBelle dealt with a bit of an injury throughout this yeah. tournament uh, because it forced – 
the U.S. coaching staff to look at their bench and say, mm-hmm. okay, who is going to be the replacement for Rose Lavelle in a situation like this? I mean, you have to look at that. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can play those games in your head. Okay, what if, yeah, Sophia Smith isn't available. She wasn't available all tournament. But when you're actually faced with it, it's important to see how those players do in those situations. We saw Ashley ha- Ashley Sanchez, excuse me, get back-to-back starts in the midfield and play significant time and then sub in in this third game for Rose Lavelle um, and also get significant time. She subbed in at the 70th minute for a Lavelle. So I think that the the injury from Lavelle forced the coaching staff to make some changes and make some decisions that maybe they weren't expecting to do or, or just hadn't really thought that far yeah. ahead. And it was very telling, I think. Well, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think uh, I'm with you. It's a blessing in disguise. I think, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it did. I think it forced the coaching staff to to take a look, a closer look at some different scenarios. Um, I mean, we're talking about players who got extended minutes, at, you know, during this. And yes, it's some of the death players, but it's also the players who are returning from injury or have returning from their absence. We've talked about Crystal Dunn getting, you know, two consecutive, three consecutive starts. Two of them were 45 minute shifts. And then this last game was a full hour. Um, and the return of Emily Sonnet, she was utilized uh, over the course of the She Believes Cup as well, which ultimately meant that we saw less time from Sofia Huerta, someone who's been with this team in the outside back position for quite some time. Um, And if we're seeing more players get rotated in, others are going to get rotated out. Uh, I know that uh, there are head coaches who are, uh, you know, headed to the World Cup and they are still hopeful that it will be a 26-player roster, but FIFA has given we're not there yet. Yeah, zero indication that that is going to happen. And you know, unless these rosters are magically, uh, you know, given the green light to select 26 players, I think that uh, there's going to be some some disappointed folks uh, left off of that World Cup roster just based off of she believes yeah. them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can't play the what if game when it comes to stuff like this. And and even so, if if say a week before they announce the roster for the World Cup, they say, okay, we are going to do 26 players. Like it, your mind should already be made up exactly who's that number one replace it, exactly who's that number two injuries that happen, anything that happens. Um, I think that this was good. She believes cup though, in terms of learning what could happen. I, I really, I, I don't think Ashley Hatch is one of those players that could kick out a Sophia Smith. And, and that sucks. Taylor Cormier all of a sudden became the yeah. off the bench option for, yeah. for a higher targeted forward position in she believes cup. So she exits New Zealand as an option for the six and now exits. She believes cup as a late game option for a target. <laughs> so it's like every, every, there's a lot, there's a lot to take out of this and uh, it'll be interesting to see um, how play in the league is weighted right. uh, with possibly one uh, window remaining before decisions have to be made. And uh, you know, We'll keep an eye on it as and always. Other players potentially coming back from injury. You look at a Katarina Macario. Mm-hmm. How's her recovery? She's expected yeah. to be back by April um, to, <laughs> to play yeah. with this team. Ireland, Kristen Press, team. Kelly O'Hara. There are so many players. Casey Kruger that 
that are still in the mix that are just dealing with an injury right now. I think when looking at those names that I just threw out there between Kelly O'Hara, Kat Macario, I'm going to put Tierna Davidson on that list as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Tobin Heath, um, Casey Kruger, even I'll throw out there. I think some are more likely to make a world cup roster than others. I think Tierna Davidson is one of those that is really likely to make a world cup roster. Um, I think Kelly O'Hara as well. I think despite what we saw in the positives from a Fox Dunn outside back pairing and, and understanding that Sonnet is most likely that first alternate in. Um, I, I think Sofia Huerta getting significant minutes in that second match for the United States against Japan says a little bit about what Vakmaninovsky is thinking. But I think in terms of the players that aren't named right now to this roster, out due to injury at this point, who are the names most likely to make it on this roster and who are the ones that are the least likely to make it on? Are you asking me right now? Or are you I'm asking you. Or are we, or are we saving that for a whole other episode? I mean, or, yeah, that could be a whole entire deep dive, but I'm just like, I, those are options and champagne problems that Black Wadonofsky has to talk oh, about. Yeah. No, I, th- I mean, I think we've highlighted him a little bit. I think, I think we've indicated, you know, players who saw, you know, little time in this tournament are likely to be those players um, either on the bubble or on the edge of the, there's no edge to a bubble, but maybe edge of a, I don't know. They're just like probably just, you know, lower and lower and lower kind of on, on the finalists, right. For that final uh, world cup roster, which is probably at this point going to change for the coaching staff week to week, to week, to week up until, you know, even even that April window. I mean, the fact that Andonovsky is still alluding to some of these players who have yet to get back into camps, I think is is a is a pretty telling sign that they want to keep as many doors open as possible. Yeah. Um, I even I even think the Sam Coffee door is still open, despite a player that traveled to New Zealand during the January camp and did not see a single minute on the field and then was not named for this She Believes Cup roster. I, I think that it yeah. those options still need to be available because you never know what's gonna happen. You never know. But when it happens, we'll be here to talk about it. That's for sure. Listen. We appreciate everybody joining us as always. We we were with you in the morning and now we're with you in the evening. It has been a long day for both Lisa and I and probably you all as well with the, you know, the constant 14-hour cycle of of soccer. Uh we have loved it. The the wild uh, February window is now concluded and uh, it's been a blast. Uh, it came, it arrived, and then in a blink, it was gone. So we learned a lot of things, and we got to chat about a lot of things. We've had a lot of fun along the way. So we'll make sure that uh, we keep everybody updated as things come rolling in. Stay with us. Stay with Attacking Third. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us here on the show. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. Watch us, too. On YouTube, you can subscribe at youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And you know we'll be back with even more content for you all. For Sandra Rita and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Fitness.